Well, as uh, we were talking, we were, we were, we've been spending time in prayer. If you're just checking in with us today, maybe you're here for the first time, welcome. Um, we uh, just want you to know that over the past four weeks, we've been diving in to the Lord's Prayer. We've been talking about, the, about prayer. We've been talking about a lot of different things about prayer. And, uh, and so far, just to kind of catch you up, we've talked about in the first week, we talked about the purpose of prayer. And, and we said that prayer is more than just us talking to God and sharing our wants. It's more than us just coming to God saying, help me, help me, help me, save me, save me, save me, rescue, rescue, rescue. Um, But it involves us also listening to God. That prayer is so important for us to listen to God. And the purpose of prayer is to connect our hearts with God's heart, with the heart of God. And, And so that's so valuable. That prayer is so valuable for us because we connect. There's this connection between us and God that happens uh, in prayer. And so in the second week, we talked about the passion of prayer and and that we don't just say ritual prayers, right? Like the ones that we learned when we were kids, like now I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And we don't just pray these ritual prayers, um, but we we want to mature, we want to grow in our prayer lives. And, and, and we, um, and, and we want to grow to a place in our prayer life where we have this authentic relationship with God. And, and so Jesus taught us about the passion of prayer, and he taught us about this intimacy with God when he said, when you pray, say, Father. And so we get to call the creator of the universe, Father. And, uh, and, and, it's an, and it's a term that's used in scriptures in an intimate way. It's actually Abba, which is daddy. And so there's this, this connection, this deep connection that happens in prayer with God, this authentic, intimate relationship. And then the third week, we looked at the pattern of prayer, right? We talked about the pattern of prayer, and we said that in the pattern of prayer, we always start with God first. Like, that's what I'm trying to teach the kids that were down here, is that we always want to start with God first. So often, uh, we begin prayer with us. So often we begin uh, giving our laundry list to God of our wants and our needs and our desires. But in in this week, we talked about how we want to start with God first. And and we talked about this pattern of prayer that, that we use called adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and then supplication. And that how if we can get involved in this pattern of prayer, if we can get plugged in and start using this pattern of prayer, that our prayer life will grow to the next level because we're, we're actually following the model that Jesus gave us in the Lord's Prayer. And so that was the, the pattern of prayer. And then last week, we talked about the practice of prayer. And we said this, we said, it's one thing to talk about prayer, but it's a whole other thing to actually practice it, to actually pray. Like, don't just talk about prayer. Don't just go up to someone and say, hey, I'm praying for you. But there's this this difference between that and actually living a life of prayer. And so this is what we've been doing. I've been challenging you and hopefully you've been challenging one another to carve out some time in your everyday life. Carve out some time to pray. Because remember, we we read the scripture where Jesus said Jesus went to a certain place. In Luke 11.1, he went to a certain place and he began to pray. And so we've been challenging ourselves to put it prayer into practice by carving out this time and finding this certain place that we spend time to pray. And we've been saying this question or this phrase, Lord, teach us to pray, right? Lord, teach me how to pray. Like if you're one of those folks that you're just getting into, uh, you're just discovering a, a lot about the Christian life and you're, you're trying to live the Christian life, but you're not sure how to pray, it's simply going before the Lord and saying, Lord, teach me how to pray, And so today, we're going to talk about our next thing. Uh, We're almost done with prayer. Next week is our last week. But today, we want to talk about the power of prayer. Everybody say power. Power. 
Now say it with power. Say power. power. Yeah, so we want to talk about the power of prayer because there is power in prayer. And, and we live in this world right now. We live in the seen world. We live in, in the physical world. And so often we are only looking at our circumstances and our challenges, but there is a whole unseen world that is out there. There is this whole entire spiritual world that is all around us, and God is sovereign. He's in control of both the seen world and the unseen world. And so when you and I, when we access God through prayer and we invite him into our situations, we invite him into the circumstances in our lives that things begin to change. And here's what I want you to know is that prayer literally changes things. Prayer changes things. It changes us and it changes those around us. And it's always interesting to me it's always interesting to me that when there is a crisis in our nation or in the world, uh, whether they are religious or not, what do, uh, what, do, what do politicians do is they call us to pray. They call us to pray and they'll say, hey, we need to pray for our nation or we need to pray for this circumstance in the world. And they call us to prayer and we'll have prayer vigils. And we've had even prayer vigils here in Prestonsburg and and there's a crisis. Maybe there's a crisis in someone's life who is near to you and they, they may not be religious and they may not go to church, but they'll come to us because they know that you go to church and they'll say, hey, will you pray for me? Or even, um, even we'll go to someone and we notice someone, a coworker or a family member, and we'll say, hey, can I pray for you? And they'll be, yes, please, would you pray for me? Because life has gotten sideways and life is crazy and things are happening and there's some circumstances in my life and I would love for you to pray for me. And we do that because why? Because prayer changes things. And we know you as a Christian, you that have said yes to Jesus, you that have been living the Christian life, you know that God hears our prayers and also God cares about us. He cares about the things that are going on in your world. He cares about the circumstances and the situations that you find yourself in. God cares about us. You see, the the prayer is the power of God unleashed. Prayer is the power of God unleashed unleashed. Unfortunately, though, for many of us, prayer is not our first choice, right? Like prayer is not the thing that we do first when life gets sideways or prayer is not the thing that we do first when we're facing difficult situations. Too many times, what do we do? We want to solve our own problems, right? Like we don't want to go to God. We don't want to bother God or maybe we feel like we've got this on our own and we oftentimes we try and fix our own problems. Like we just want to jump in and we want to fix things. And we're, we're, we're that kind of people. We're fixers, especially guys. Like, uh, guys, us men, we are, we are horrible at it. We just want to fix stuff. And, uh, and, 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 and we want to make it right instead of stopping and pausing and saying something like this. Like, before I try and fix this, before I try and fix this, let me just stop and let me just invite God to enter into the situation. Like, let me just stop trying to fix things. And let me invite God into my circumstances, into my situation, into this this issue that I'm struggling with that I want so bad to try and fix it. But I know that if I try and fix it, it's just going to make it worse. So I'm going to invite you, God, to come and for you to do what you do best before I mess it up. And the truth is that when we pray, when you and I, when we pray, when we enter into this life of prayer, 
That's when miracles begin to happen in our lives. That's when God begins to answer prayers in our lives. And our God, he specializes in miracles. And I know you're like, well, yeah, I saw God, Jesus did miracles in the past, but I don't know. God's still doing miracles today in 2023. Like God is still the God of miracles. It hasn't changed. It hasn't stopped. And he's still doing miracles. See, the truth is when we pray, miracles happen and God begins to work. And so if you have your Bibles this morning, uh, or if you want to use the Bible app, uh, the version Bible app, let me just invite you to turn to Luke chapter 11 one more time. And we're going to read verse 1 one more time. And I really want you to, uh, I want this, this verse, we've been looking at it every week, and I just wanted to just kind of take over every part of who you are and just let this verse marinate over you. And here's what it says uh, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1. It says, one day, one day Jesus was praying. Where was he praying? He was praying in a certain place, right? Like he had his place, his place of prayer. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Like, God, we've been watching you pray. We've been listening in. We've heard your prayers. It's not like the prayers that we learned uh, in temple. It's different. Like, these prayers are more personal. These prayers are more intimate. These prayers really are more powerful. Like, it's no longer lay me down to sleep. Uh, Lord, I pray my soul to keep. It's no longer uh, rub-a-dub-dub. Thanks for the grub. Like, there's something different about the way that you pray. So, Lord, would you teach us how to pray just as John taught his disciples? And Jesus said to them, when you pray... Not if you pray, but when you pray, say, Father. Like I could just stop right there. And I, every time I get hooked on that one phrase, when you pray, say, Father. But he goes on, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. And so remember, remember that Jesus teaches us to always start with God first. Like I'm going to keep hammering that. I'm going to keep hammering that because what we do is we're like, we jump into prayer and we're like, God, you know my situation. You know my circumstances. Like life has gotten sideways. I don't know what to do. And we just began to enter into the wants and the needs and the desires. But Jesus teaches us, start with God first. Prayer should always start with God. God, you're amazing. God, you're beautiful. God, you're constant. God, you're dependable. Like we talked about using the alphabet of praise. And if you can't think of words to use to describe who God is and how amazing he is, just go through the alphabet. A for amazing, B for beautiful, C for constant, D for uh, dependable, and just go through and, 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 make, and use adjectives that describe God. And, and so we got to do this. Jesus was teaching the disciples. He's teaching us. We've got to focus on our vertical relationship first before we talk about our horizontal relationships. That we invite the creator of the universe into our lives and we talk about and recognize who he is. You are the God that breathed the galaxies into existence. You are the God that created all the things that are on the earth. You are amazing, God. You are awesome that we work on this relationship first before we even begin to talk about this relationship out here. So we got to keep God first. And then he goes on in verse 3 after he says, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. He says, Give us each our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And I want you to notice something here. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not, but, uh, but the Lord's Prayer, did you notice it's plural? Give us our daily bread. Lead us not into temptation. And forgive us who have sinned against us. And, and maybe you've seen that before, but, but it's, it's important that we recognize this, that when we come to God, 
When we come to God in prayer, it's not, it's not just God, here's my needs. It's not just God, here's what I need for you to do. Not, not here's, here's my desires, here's my wants. It's God, I want you to meet my needs, but I also want you to meet the needs of those around me, right? I want you to meet others' needs as well. I want you to meet the needs of those who are hungry and struggling. God, give us our daily bread. Give us, not just me. Don't just fill my belly, but fill the belly of those around me and use me to be a part of that. So give us our daily bread. And, and we live in this really in this really individualistic society or culture. And, and, and we live in this world where we think it's all about us, right? Like we think we are the star of the movie or something and that everyone else is just the supporting cast. Like we, we're just the stars and we think everything's about us. But when we pray and when we pray and we put God first, we begin to realize that we're not the star. We're not the star of the show, that God is the star of the show. And that we shift our thinking and we shift our prayers and we begin to say, you know what, God, it's not about me. It's not all about me and my wants and my needs and my desires, but it's all about you. And it's all about what your will is and what you want. And you're like, I have a part to play because we all have a part to play in God's story. Each and every one of us has a part to play. But we find ourselves saying, God, I don't want the glory. Like, I don't want to be in the spotlight. I want to give you the glory. I want people to, I want to point people to you and not to me. I want the attention to go to you and not to me. God, would you just use me to meet the needs of others around me? So, God, give, Lord, give us our daily bread. And then it says, forgive us our sins, Right? forgive us our sins. Like we are, we're forgiven and we, we, we confess and we spend time in confession and we confess the things that we've done that have separated us from God and we confess that we have not lived the life that God has created us for, to live but, but we're, and we're forgiven. But we also, we have to forgive everyone. We have to forgive others who have sinned against us. Like we have to be in an attitude of it's not just about us and our sin. But we have to realize and recognize and pray for the forgiveness of our sins, but also realize that our sins affect others. And sometimes we have to ask God for forgiveness for the harm that we've done to others because of our sin. And other times we have to ask for forgiveness for those who have harmed us because of their sins. You see, our, our sins, they impact those around us and they, they don't just impact us but they also impact the generations to come, right? Like your sin and my sin doesn't just impact me here today, but it could also impact the lives of those coming up behind us. So we pray, forgive us, Lord, our sins. Forgive us our sins. Forgive the sins of our community. Forgive the sins of our nation. Forgive the sins of our world. Father, forgive us. And then Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation. Did you catch that phrase, lead us? Father, lead you, lead me, lead us. Not just lead me, God, but lead those around me. Lead my family, lead my neighborhood, lead my workplace. God, lead us in your ways and keep us from temptation. And here's the thing I'm learning about the word us. Here's what I'm learning about us is that spiritual growth 
happens best in community. Like, you just might want to write that down. Spiritual growth happens best in community. Jesus came along, right? He came along and he could have, he could have just taken one disciple. He could have just picked one person and he could have said, listen, you're going to be, you're going to be my disciple. And he could have done one-on-one mentoring and one-on-one training. And he could have just raised up this one disciple, but that's not what he did. Jesus took 12 He picked 12 disciples, not before praying, by the way. He prayed first, and he asked God to show him who those 12 were. And then once God answered him, then he went and he picked these 12 disciples. And he said to these 12 men, these 12 ordinary men, by the way, they weren't supernatural. They didn't have supernatural strength. They didn't have supernatural wisdom. They were 12 ordinary men. Some of them were even knuckleheads in the group. And he picked these men, and he said, I'm going to pour into you. Like, I'm going to spend the next three and a half years pouring into you in community. Like, in community, not one-on-one, but in community with one another. And that's why we have small groups today. That's why our church places such an emphasis on small groups, because Jesus said, you know what? Life happens best. Spiritual growth happens best in community. And so we want to be in small groups and community, doing life together, discipling one another, challenging one another, growing together. Because here's what I know from the Bible, that growth happens best in community. Even in this prayer, that is what, that's what Jesus is teaching. He's teaching in communities, like give us, lead us, forgive us in community. And so we must find ourselves, we must find community with one another. If you're not in a small group, let me just challenge you. Let me just lay a guilt trip on you. How dare you try and live the Christian life out of community? You need community. We're better together. And so spiritual growth happens best in community. And, and, then, and, then, when the, um, and then because growth happens best in community, Jesus teaches us these things. And, and, then, and then here's the next thing. We must trust God above all things. We've got to learn to trust God above all things. And when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, when they said those words, Jesus was saying, it's not just that you have to pray these exact words. Like, I don't expect you to wake up every morning at 6 a.m. and go, uh, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. Here, He goes, I don't expect you to use the exact words every time you pray. This is a model, right? This is a model for how you pray. Put God first, invite him to lead, and then trust him above all things. And this is so important because this is what we anchor to. We anchor to faith, and that's what faith is. Faith is our complete trust or confidence in God. That in our circumstances, we're gonna trust God completely. We're going to trust him and we're going to have confidence that he is going to work and intervene in our circumstances and in our situations. So we got to learn to trust God completely. When we start our day, right? I don't know about you. When you start your day though, we should take the shield of faith with us everywhere we go. Like the armor of God is no joke. Like it's not a suggestion. We should every day put on the armor of God. And one of the most important things that we need to arm ourselves with is the shield of faith. And we say, God, say, I'm about to leave today and I am placing all of my trust and all of my confidence in you today. 
that no matter what comes at me, no matter what the evil one tries to whisper in my ears, no matter what, my, uh, what the people in my job say about me, no matter what happens, I'm putting my trust in you. I'm taking my shield of faith with me today. You see, here's what Jesus is doing. In this Lord's Prayer even, Jesus is preparing his disciples to lead his church. He's getting them ready. He's equipping them. He's poured into these 12 guys for three and a half years. He's discipled them. He has mentored them. He has taught them. And then, after he did all of those things, he died on a cross. And he died a gruesome death on a cross. And then he rose from the dead. And he made a way for you and I to have eternal life with the Father. But then there's not more. That's not the end of the story. After his resurrection, he spent 40 days, 40 days with the very same disciples that he spent the past three and a half years with. He spent 40 days with them. And, 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 and he pulls them together in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And if you've never read Acts 1, 8, you've got to read it later. Mark it down, write a note, read it later. But this is basically what Jesus says in Acts 1, 8. He says, hey, guys. He's like, guys, listen. He's like, you, in a moment, if you'll wait and be patient, you will receive the power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, he says. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. You will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus is like, listen, I've taught you how to pray. I've pulled back the curtain on the unseen, and, and I've invited the God of the universe into your life and into your situations, and into this world. And now, he's like, and now, I want you to go and live it out. I want you to put on that armor, and I want you to go and live out this life that I have prepared you to live for the past three and a half years. I want you to be my hands and my feet. And he said it to each and every one of the disciples. It's time for you to rise up. It's time for you to be bold. Now go be awesome and tell the world about me. That was Acts 1. And then in Acts 2, we find the disciples. And they're meeting together in a room, in a home, and they're praying. And as they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes down and let me just tell you that Acts 2 was a game changer for the church. Like if you've never read Acts at all, you need to read Acts 1 and Acts 2. And Acts 2 is this game changer. It's what we call Pentecost, right? It's when the Holy Spirit comes down and these ordinary guys are suddenly filled with God's Spirit and they become so bold that no one can stop them from talking about Jesus. And they go out of Pentecost and they preach the gospel and they begin to love and to share the grace that God has given to them. And they're praying for more boldness. And I love this in Acts. They're huddled in a room. They're being persecuted for what they believe in. Instead of praying, help me, help me, help me, save me, save me, save me, rescue, rescue, rescue me. They're praying, God, we want more boldness. Like, yeah, things are tough right now. Circumstances are rough right now. Like, people are getting beat up when they say your name. But we want more boldness. Like, give us more boldness and they go and change the world and just think about it with me for a minute they watched jesus they watched their teacher they watched their leader being nailed to a cross and instead of hiding in fear which is what they started to do but instead of hiding in fear 
They are filled with the Holy Spirit, and they share the good news about Jesus with the very people that crucified Jesus. Think about that. That would be like if someone took someone very important in your life away from you, and then you were to go and share Jesus with that person. That's what they did every day. They went and they shared Jesus with the people who crucified him. And when the disciples prayed together, here's what happened. They served together. And when they served together, they changed the world. And the truth is, when we pray together like the disciples did, God will use you and me to impact the world too. That if we will begin as a church to pray together and serve together, God will change the world. I mean, I just want you to imagine with me for a minute. Imagine what Warehouse Church could do if we prayed together. You see, church, there is power There is power in prayer. And every great awakening in history, every great awakening, every revival in history began with prayer. It began with people coming together in community, praying for God to do something amazing. It started with prayer. You see, God's people, here's what God's people pray. They pray, there is hope. There's hope because God's here and God wants to do something great. And Father, we wanna follow you and we wanna be used by you to do something great because here's what prayer is. Prayer is inviting God. Prayer is inviting God, of the, the God of the universe into our situations and into our lives. That's what prayer is. It's inviting the God of the universe into our situations and into our lives. And that's when things begin to change when we invite God into our situations. You see, the disciples took seriously, very seriously, Jesus' commission on them to go and be his witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria because they knew those places. Jerusalem, that's where they hung out. That's where they did ministry. Jerusalem was their backyard. Jerusalem was their neighborhood. And and so they knew it and it was right where they were living, but they also knew Judea and Samaria because that was like Pikeville and Paintsville. Like they knew the surrounding areas. And so when Jesus said, go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, they're like, we're all in. And Jesus was like, hey, he's like, I want you to start by praying for your community. Start by praying for your home, praying for your neighborhood, praying for the people around you and see if, if I don't do something amazing through you because that's the power of prayer. And so Jesus is like, go be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. And listen, here's what happens when we begin to pray for our community. I want to invite Spring Deeds to come up with up here uh, with me for a minute. Y'all give Spring a big hand. <laughs> Spring uh, is, she uh, has a ministry called Bride's Ministry. And we talk a lot about Spring, and we talk about um, the things that Spring's doing, but oftentimes we, oh, there's a microphone right there. So oftentimes, we don't always know what spring actually does. And so I invited spring to come up here and I wanted spring to share with you because I think prayer has played a really important role in bride's ministry. But I, I, I just love for you to share with us in a few sentences, what is it that you do? Like, what do you do? What is bride's ministry all about? Uh, I try to write it down so I don't take up too much time. <laughs> um, basically... I just love to show people the love of God, 
Um, and the way I love to do that is to give them stuff. <laughs> um, I like to show people the love of God. I go out and deliver food and clothes and help with any needs at all they ask or we can meet. Um, and I love, my favorite part is to go into their homes and get a visit on them and pray for them. And that's awesome. And you do jail ministry too. Uh, and rehab. And, and rehab. And yeah. There's more than just <laughs> handing out food, right? You do a lot of different things. Well, we got a lot going on, but yeah. I, just, I, the biggest thing I like to pray to God, and I've prayed it from the first time I started ministry, God lead me to the places and the people that nobody else wants to go to, and he definitely answers that almost daily. He does, yeah. and it's so awesome. It's so awesome to Springle send me pictures of, of her uh, working with families, and then I also see on Facebook when she's done jail ministry and talks about people giving their life to the Lord. What's something cool that God's up to right now in your ministry? Um, God's always up to a lot of stuff in all of our lives. Um, I'm going to try to stick to this because if I get talking about God, <laughs> I won't get going too long. But um, the biggest thing God has been doing uh, is saving souls. He provides the needs of the people that he sends to me. Um, and God's brides is growing. We are always adding people. And if you're a part of God's brides, you stay a part of God's brides. We don't help you one time. We continue to stay with you. Actually, it has become a family. We're all sort of family. And I've had some of my widows pass away and die, five of them exactly. And some of them that's got remarried. And we have, we got grandmas that um, was raising kids and the kids have got separated and things when they passed away. I stay with the kids. Um, we don't let nobody go. We've had some remarried that their finances has changed and they don't need it no more. So if you're a part of it, you're always a part of it. So you don't need us anymore. Um, and also God has taken, we started this out. This is, this makes 20 years my family's been in ministry this year. Um, we started when we moved back from Columbus, Ohio. And um, it started out as Christmas and, and holidays. And now since last July, the flooding started, God has made it possible for me to do giveaways every single month now instead of just holidays. And he also, it's pretty much an every single day part of my life. It's just what God's created me to do and all of us to do is help and love one another. But I guess that's pretty much it. That's great. No, that's awesome. And uh, let me ask you this question too. How has prayer played a significant role in your ministry? I do a whole lot of praying. <laughs> um, I like to say I talk to God all day long. Um, and then I, there's times that I consider it prayer because I really get to sit in prayer and be intimate with God. But um, key, uh, prayer has definitely been the key to my life, ministry, every part of it. But um, God continues just to grow God's brides and 100%. Um, I said my husband, I would rather do anything in the world than to talk about what I, what I do. Um, but... Um, a lot of people maybe think it's silly. It sounds silly to say this stuff out of my mouth, but it makes perfect sense in here. Um, but instead of having places that I go pick up or do this and that or whatever, 
my ministries are all based 100% on God. So without prayer and trusting God, he always provides and he always makes a way out of no way. Always. And when he stops, I'll quit. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Tell, um, tell them how, how can they help? Like how can they help you and brides and God's brides? Well, you can pray for me. Y'all see I need a lot of help. <laughs> but no, you can all year. We are basically doing what we do, like I said, all year long. Any food donations, clothes, new or goodly used would be nice. But clothes, I'm uh, trying to do stockings. Between now until Christmas is over is our biggest time we need the most help. We try to do stockings. So even a bag of candy for stockings or any kind of food, any kind of Bibles. I carry bags of Bibles and give them out everywhere we go. Um, really just, if you can eat it or you can wear it or you can use it in your house. I, I had a call last week, a mother of five kids that didn't even have soap or shampoo to give her kids a bath. So, and the more prices are going up, the more needs we have. I've got message after message already since September. Are we going to help for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Because they're concerned. But you can help with anything. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I'm so grateful for what you do. And uh, can we just give Spring just a huge hand of thanking Thank her? Thank you so much for sharing. I know this was hard. And I appreciate you That's sharing. Okay. Spring does not like to talk about what she does. Okay. And uh, we have to pry it out of her. Like, what are the things that you need and do? And um, and, and I would love, uh, we partner, so Spring is one of our local community mission partners, and so we support Spring on a monthly uh, basis as well as we provide uh, finances for Thanksgiving, and then we provide baskets for Christmas, and so we'll be doing that again this year, and uh, so like Spring said, uh, I want you to continue to pray, but if you have extra food, bring it to the church because her, 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 play, her storage place is here, and so, uh, so you can bring it here, and we'll make sure it gets to the right place. And so we've given her the uh, little two-car garage down at the other end of the building. And so she can uh, use that to store all of her stuff that she uses, her supplies. And so if you have candy, if you have food, canned good food, just bring stuff that people want to eat, not the stuff that you don't want to eat, and make sure it's not expired. Um, but uh, if you can bring any of those things, she would love it and appreciate it. If you have clothes, if you're going through and getting rid of some clothes, bring those, gently use clothes, a lot of things that they can do, right, to help and support. So let's give Spring another hand. Thank you so much for sharing with us. Oh, yeah, yeah. So read that scripture. Um, if it's okay, um, I had about five scriptures, but I'll just read one if it's okay. It's on my heart, and I like to be obedient to God more than anybody or anything else. But I'm just going to scoot down. I'm going to read out of Matthew 25. And Jesus, everybody knows this one where it said, you know, Jesus said, you fed me and you clothed me and you visited me when I was in prison and when I was sick and on and on. And then at the end it said, after the righteous people asked him, when do we feed you or clothe you or whatever, Jesus said, the king will repay to them truly, I will tell you, and as much as you have done to the least of these, you have done it unto me. So everything I try to do is unto the Lord. So if somebody gives me some old holy clothes with paint all over them, which seems to happen all the time, I'm going to throw them away because that's not giving my best. But I just really wanted to thank you guys is why I brought that part up. You guys, I've, it's like before you guys started helping me, I'm on five years. It would be maybe this church would give me a call and want to donate some food or this church. I'm just involved with so many places, but God picks a different place. But you guys are the most awesome 
givenest church ever. And Christmas, when you bring the bags in, I cannot tell you how all year long it gives me such a peace. And it's like the weight of the world is off of my shoulders. And I can focus on toys and shoes and socks and stockings. So I just want to thank you all so very much for partnering with me because 20 years in church is a long time to finally get a church to stand behind you. So I just thank each and every one of you. And God wanted me, I had on my heart this morning about we are all the body of Christ. And I was sort of laughing at God this morning like I'm probably just the, you know, the small toe or, you know, a fingernail or something. But what I do when I'm out, like yesterday, seven girls in rehab gave their life to God. We are part of a body. So every single thing I do, you might not personally go out into prisons or jails, but part of your body does. So that's, God blesses you for that. You're not maybe personally taking the bags at Christmas to families, but God is going to bless you for that because you're the one that gave it, or I couldn't do what I do without people like you. So I just thank you, and I'm grateful for God and everything he does and all of you. All right. Thanks, Spring. So when we pray, and when we pray for change to happen in our community, People like Spring are answers to those prayers. And when you pray about what part you want to play in that, again, you are an answer to God's prayer and to prayers of the people that she works with. As they pray, God, we don't have any food. Uh, we don't know where we're going to get our next meal. And then here comes Spring barreling down the, the holler with her truck full of food. And, uh, and so, so God answers our prayers. So there's power in prayer when we pray for our local community. And when the disciples heard Jesus say, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria. They're like, yeah, we get that. We're all in. Like, we understand that. But then Jesus says something else. He doesn't just stick to the familiar Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. But he says, and you will be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. And I'm sure the disciples had a moment where they're like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, most of them probably had never left the 20-mile radius of where they had been doing ministry. And they're probably like, how in the world, Jesus, are we going to reach the ends of the earth? But God knew. God knew that he was going to take the gospel. He was going to take his story to the ends of the earth. And he was going to use these ordinary guys and their passion to make a difference. And he was going to use it globally. And so I want to share with you this morning that here's what happens, not only when we pray for our local community, but here's what happens when we pray globally. And I want you to watch this uh, mission video, mission update video from Brian Lindsay, who uh, is our mission partner, which was once uh, far-flung tin can, is now called Mission Life. And so watch this video uh, from, from Brian. What's up? Brian Lindsay here, and the fall of the year is here. I bet there are already people who have like some fall decorations out, some pumpkin spice lattes. I can see that already happening. But before we get too far, can we just say this summer was amazing? Like, like the Taiwan trip and the work happening there is continuing. It was great. The summer vacation Bible school, you guys killed it. It was so good. And the generosity from that, every penny went to help kids in Cambodia through the ministry of Isaac and Megan Lutz. They're in their 30s. They've been in Cambodia for like eight or 10 years. They're doing amazing work with children's homes and feeding ministries and planning churches and education. Now, I have a project right now that's happening in Thailand I don't even get a chance to talk to you about. 
because you got to see all the things that God did in Zambia. Check out this update. This year's clinic was unbelievable. Over a hundred people gave their hearts to the Lord in the clinic, right? That's amazing. Over 1,600 patients were seen in the Bush Clinic by the doctors and the nurses. Serious cases transported to the hospitals and none of this could have happened without the generosity of donors and churches and the people traveling on these teams. The groups that traveled from Zimbabwe to Zambia for the conference and the clinic absolutely wrecked me. They first get on a boat and then they get on a flatbed truck and travel for like two days just to get to the conference and be at the clinic. It was unbelievable what they went through to get there and then God met them there and the families met them there. It was the camp and the kids and the worship. What a year it's been in Zambia. There's also an irrigation project happening at the local school right next door to the clinic. Drip irrigation is being installed in the community land and parents and students and teachers, everybody is buying in to clear the land, to take care of the garden. It's a place where this entire community will be able to come and to eat. If that wasn't enough, there's an amazing project that is saving young girls from being trafficked into child marriages by providing feminine hygiene kits for the girls. They don't drop out of school and because they don't drop out of school, their families value them as educated young women. And when their families value them, they refuse to sell them 3,600 feminine hygiene kits were handed to at-risk girls that will keep them from being trafficked. This year was unbelievable and the work continues. And I love that we get to partner with them and tell them they're not alone in this. So God does beautiful and amazing things through our prayers, not just locally, but also globally. And he's reaching people. He's reaching people in Taiwan. He's reaching people in Cambodia. He's reaching people in Mozambique. Because of why? Because of your support and because of your prayers. And as a matter of fact, I love this. I was talking to Brian yesterday, and right now, like right this very minute in Mozambique, teenagers and children are gathering together for their Sunday evening worship service, a service of prayer. So right now, right in this very moment, all across the world, there are students and children gathering together and they're praying and they're praying for you and they're praying for the world because they realize and recognize because they've experienced it that prayer changes things. Listen, church, if you don't hear anything else this morning, I just hope you hear this, that prayer changes lives, that your prayers change lives. Oswald Chambers, I think he said it best, he said, Prayer is not preparation for the greater work. Prayer is the greater work. Do you hear that? Prayer is the greater work. Prayer is inviting the God of the universe into our situations. It's saying, God, come into my heart, into my life. Yes, prayer changes things. But more importantly, prayer changes us. It doesn't just change things. It changes us. It moves us onto God's agenda. It puts us in line with God's will and his plan and his purpose for our lives. And where there is prayer, hear this, where there is prayer, there is always hope. 
And maybe you walked in today and maybe you're like, things seem a little hopeless in my life. Maybe you're in here today and you're like, things seem hopeless in my work or, or whatever the situation is. But listen, where there is prayer, there is hope. So never, ever, ever think that a situation uh, is hopeless or helpless because God cares about you and loves you and prayer changes things. So let me just ask you, what are you praying for? Like, what are you praying for in your family? What are you praying for in your marriage? What are you praying for for your kids and for your neighborhood and your workplace and the world? What are you praying for? Because like Spring said, we can't do everything, but we can do something. We can all do something. And when we begin to pray, we unleash the power of God. And then God says, hey, I don't just want you to pray, but I want you to get involved. And here's how I want you to be involved. And all of a sudden, when God involves us in his work, we're filled with this boldness and we begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And we start saying, yeah, God, here I am. Like, use me. I'm available. Whatever you want, use me. And so this morning, I just want to invite you. I want to invite you into a life of prayer. Because prayer, there's power in prayer. And prayer changes things. But more importantly, prayer changes you. And prayer changes me. And when we pray, not only are the communities around us altered and changed for the good, but the world globally is changed for the good. And you know, we're gonna take communion this morning. If you have your little uh, cups with you, um, there's two parts to this. And I'll just explain it to you real quick. There's a, there's a little top part that reveals the little wafer, the little piece of bread. And then there's a second uh, lining underneath that that reveals the juice. And I want us to take communion together this morning. And as we do, I just want you to be reminded of this, that communion is a beautiful opportunity for us to be reminded of the love of God, that God loves you and that he's the God of hope. And Jesus, like I've said many times, he knew, he knew that we would forget. He knew that we would get busy. He knew that we'd get caught up in our circumstances and that we would forget about how much God loves us. And so he said, listen, I wanna, I wanna do this thing uh, with you and I want you, to, I want you to celebrate communion often. And so maybe you're here this morning and I just want you to know that uh, all of you are welcome to participate in communion. That the only thing that really Jesus wants from us and the only thing that God wants from us is that we want more of Jesus in our life. And so if that's you this morning, if you want more of Jesus in your life, then you are, then communion is available to you today. And so I would just invite you right now just to take off that top part and reveal the bread. And if you just want to hold it up. And on that night when Jesus gathered with the disciples, he, he broke the bread and he said, this is my body, which is given to you. And he said, take and eat and as often as you do, remember me. So let's take and let's eat. And later on in that night, he took the cup at the end of the meal and he, and he blessed it and he said, listen, he said, this cup represents my blood, a new covenant. I'm here, I'm doing a new thing in our lives. And so as you drink this, as often as you drink this, remember my great love for you. Remember that I love you and I care about you and that I gave it all for you. He said, take and drink and remember my love for you. So take and drink. Pray with me. Father God, we thank you for the gift of communion. 
And God, we thank you that it's not just something that we do to remember you, but God, that as we participate in communion, that we receive, we receive all that you have for us so that we might go and live the Christian life. God, that there's a mystery to communion. There's a part of it that's a mystery to us. But Lord, you told us to do it. And out of obedience, we celebrate this meal together. And Father, my prayer this morning is that every single one of us would know that there's hope. That no matter what situations we're facing, no matter what circumstances we're in right now, there's always hope. And Lord, that we can always come to you in prayer. We can always come to you and invite you into our lives and invite you to intervene into the things that are going on in our lives. And Lord, you always come faithfully and willingly. And so Lord, as we close our time together this morning, Lord, as we wrap up, Father, I pray that we would just spend a moment in prayer, just us and you. Lord, we may do that at our seats. Father, we may want to come forward and do it up front. But Lord, that we would come and we would begin with you. We begin with you. We would allow you to come into our lives and to rearrange our will to be in line with your will. So church, would you just spend time in prayer this morning? Let's stand together. You can pray right where you're standing. You can pray up front. Our house is your house. You're always welcome at the altar area. But as we sing this song, maybe you just wanna take the first minute and you just wanna pray. Maybe you wanna pray through the whole song. Maybe you wanna come up here and spend time before the cross in prayer. Whatever it is, I invite you to pray because there's power, there's power prayer. It changes our lives and it changes the lives of those around us. So let's pray. Let's worship.